Welcome to season two of In the Arena with Now. This season, we'll be diving into collaborative action and coalition building, transformative practices for healing, joy, and equity. We'll hear from a variety of local leaders and experts about how they're co-designing and co-creating solutions within their communities, all to ensure that children, families, and all community members have access to the critical resources and opportunities they need to lead healthy, thriving lives. I'm your host, Rhonda Alexander, Director of National Partnerships with Vital Village Networks of Opportunity for Child Wellbeing at Boston Medical Center. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Alenta Michelle of Powerful Pathways, a public interest consultancy rooted in social practice that blends policy, development, urban planning, and social impact design principles. Alenta has been a longtime partner of Vital Village Networks, and I am so grateful to have had the chance to chat with her about her experiences co-creating solutions with communities. Thanks, Alenta, so much for being with us today. So I thought we might start by just asking you to introduce yourself and your role and maybe how you came to your current work. Sure. My name is Alenta Michelle, and I am the founder and executive director of Powerful Pathways. I am an artist and an urban planner and a policy researcher and a civic designer, which sounds like a lot of things that don't really mix, but they actually come together very well in in my line of work. I grew up in Boston. I was born and raised in Boston. And it was largely the experiences I had growing up as a youth, particularly as a, a woman of color, a child of immigrants, growing up in Mattapan in Dorchester, that I really became interested in issues that impact communities. I wanted to be a doctor for a really long time because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do in an immigrant household. You're either a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. And <laughs> to your parents, you know, there's, there's no other profession that's actually comparable than, than those top three. So for a long time as a child, I was told, you know, my parents would tell me that I should become a doctor. And so when people would ask me, you know, what do you want to be to grow up? I would say, oh, I want to be a doctor because that's what my parents said I should be. Um, And I was actually interning at Boston Medical Center. I was on the fast track to pre-med when I graduated high school. And it was there that I saw a lot of intense things um, in the working in the emergency room. And it made it very clear to me that while I wanted to do work that helped people, the medical profession itself wasn't quite the right path for me. And eventually I found my way doing youth work and I worked in area schools as well as in different capacities in the nonprofit sector. And I was working at Dudley Street Neighborhood Initiative when I came to get a better understanding of the vastness of urban planning and eventually went back to 
to school to study urban planning and public policy at Tufts, where I tried to do a combination of all of my experience as a community organizer, as a youth worker, as an educator, to really think more broadly and work more broadly around the development of cities and supporting communities across a multitude of capacities and issues from environmental to transit, public health, arts and culture, housing and land use, and kind of always asking this question around how do we make cities more equitable and sustainable? How do we address racial justice in its truest capacity? And I think those are all, all are the kinds of explorations that I do now in my work through Powerful Pathways. Oh, that was such a beautiful introduction. Thank you. Thank you for, for just outlining that. I really appreciate how how you saw the challenges in your community, right? You saw saw the things that were happening and really took a broad approach to thinking about the the gifts and talents that you bring and that you could use to solve um, solve and address those problems. And um, I'd actually really love to hear more about. So you t- kind of talked about your pathway to powerful pathways. Sorry for the for the minor alliteration there, but. Tell me a little bit about what Powerful Pathways does, right? Like, what's the why there? Yeah, so essentially, Powerful Pathways is a creative design lab. And I use the word lab because our work really involves a lot of experimentation. But we do different types of projects that explore different elements of community development, as I previously mentioned. But we do so with a social equity approach. And also, as much as possible, incorporating media arts and uh, innovative strategy. And I started this organization eight, nine years ago, initially with a very different design. But as a planner, as someone who has worked in government, in public policy, and in different types of community relations roles, it became very clear to me that there needed to be individuals who supported planners and policymakers and brought in that level of creativity, but more readily also brought in that social equity lens. And so on paper, we say, you know, we do urban planning and cultural planning and different aspects of urban design or civic design. But the way I like to think about it is a more ingestible way, I'd say, to describe it, is that we're just acting as social change agents in a field that, or fields that desperately call for creative thinkers and social change agents. So what this means is we do a lot of intervention-based work. We're often called upon to support community engagement. And so we think about creative ways in which we do creative um, and placemaking, which is essentially using arts and culture to support community development projects. We also try to be creative around how we involve 
the public. So for example, while we work, we've worked in cities all over the place. We of course have a special affinity for working in Boston and we have been working with the city around building awareness about the Blue Hill Avenue Transportation Action Plan, which is a city project to reform and redesign Blue Hill Avenue, which is not only one of the oldest roads in the city of Boston, but also one of the most high trafficked and has a high collision rate. So this is about public safety and public health as much as it is about transportation and helping people get to and from. Blue Hill Avenue in particular cuts along through some of Boston's most historically underserved neighborhoods like Roxbury, Dorchester, and Mattapan. And these are neighborhoods where the community has deep distrust of government and rightly so because as we know, the history of urban planning and public policy was used to elevate, perpetuate, and implement segregational, oftentimes motivated by racism and, you know, class-based policies. And so it's been an interesting project, but it's also been a very challenging project to get the community to be open to even seeing a little bit of change. You know, we've heard from residents of Roxbury and Dorchester, Madison say things like, we don't want whatever it is that you're doing. Even though I, these are neighborhoods that I grew up in and, and still live, I still, I travel a lot and do a lot of, and working a lot of projects here in the West Coast, but I consider Mattapan is still my home. I grew up in Mattapan, still live off of Blue Hill Avenue. And it's completely understandable that the community would be reticent about any proposed changes that, you know, a government would make, a local government would make for them when history attests that those decisions have historically not been for them. Uh, So... It's been, a, it's been an interesting level of work. So what we've been doing is trying to explore creative ways to foster dialogue with the community as opposed to standard traditional public meetings where, be it in person or online, but there's like an hour-long presentation, people get to ask a few questions. And while we do explore, we do have public meetings like that that we are doing with the other consultants. We've Mm -hmm. been also exploring different ways to engage the public and doing that through creative interventions like doing pop-ups and exhibits, educational, like art exhibits, things like that. Yeah, no, I really, um, I so appreciate sort of where things are and, and how the community feels about the government, the city, the state, whoever coming in and saying, we're going to fix it and we're going to ask for all your input and we are not likely, <laughs> well, they probably won't say it, but aren't likely really going to take a lot of that into account. And so thinking about different ways to approach and build relationship and build trust within the community. And I think that really leads me to collaborative action. Like I feel like that's a you've taken a new perspective on collaborative action and what that means for a community. And so 
I'd love to ask when you hear the term collaborative action, right? Like what comes to mind? What does it look and feel like to you and perhaps in the communities and parts of the community that you serve? Yeah, you know, it's it's um collaboration is one of the tenets of our organization's mission and vision, which folks can check out more information on that on powerfulpathways.org because we deeply believe that you can't do, you can't make change for people. You have to make change with people. And the people need to be those who are impacted by the issues, directly impacted by the issues you're working on. Otherwise, it's still just an act of having power over as opposed to building power in communities. And for a really long time, uh, planning and especially public policy has always been about creating things for the community as opposed to with the community. And so even for small projects that we do, it's an action of working with um, to large projects that we do. For example, we are, as I mentioned, you know, um, as being also an artist, um, I really wanted to make sure that we incorporated arts and culture as much as possible throughout our work. And on occasion, we do public art projects and um, we sometimes do those public art projects through an initiative that I started separately that I've since folded under the Powerful Path Isabella, which is Mattapan Open Streets Open Studios. Now, locally, um, open studios are essentially an initiative where neighborhood arts organizations and artist galleries will open themselves to the public for a week or a weekend. And there are other activities that are organized around that to promote foot traffic, to promote local art and support local artists. Um, as I mentioned, I grew up in Mattapan, which is historically underserved and deprived neighborhood. The community has maintained resilience but it, it is difficult when resources are not poured into this neighborhood. And there's enough, there's a lot of substantial evidence to even show that that is a chronic issue. Um, we actually even were looking at an analysis of the city budget expenditures and chronically neighborhoods like Mattapan are underinvested in. And then people wonder why there's such a rise in like community violence and you know, a number of other issues that are completely directly linked to that um, lack of investment. At any rate, um, so Open Studios has been around for over 30 years. And Madison never had one until I started it in 2015. And it was met with a lot of resistance when I first started it. Both public officials and, and even community members just were reluctant because they, were, they weren't confident that we could pull it off. And the reason for that is largely because MadPan doesn't actually have any studio space or arts centers. It's one of the only neighborhoods in Boston that has virtually no artist galleries or artist spaces, despite the fact that there are a number of artists and largely artists of color who live in this neighborhood. So that's why we added the open streets component because we decided, or I should say I decided 
to really flip the concept on its head since the traditional concept did not work for us. We wanted to take the idea of arts and cultural programming literally to the streets. And we partnered with local organizations and local businesses to showcase artists' work and to organize various um, public art projects and arts and cultural programs throughout the neighborhood. So anything from teaching arts and crafts workshops to teens and adults, organizing dance and performances, setting up a jazz brunch at Brothers Restaurant, which is a local neighborhood staple. Even they were reluctant at the idea at first, and I had to encourage them to try it. And now, um, ironically, when the pandemic started, um, they would be like, are you able to come back? Like, we're not really sure. We'd love to have you all back. So there is a there is a need for this. But what it required in order to do this work was to collaborate deeply with stakeholders that people don't often think about as benefit beneficiaries of these programs. We did a lot of pop-up arts events and vendor fairs for artists because that was that was what we could do. But what really sustains Open Shapes Open Studios is the collaboration with the community and the community organizations and the small business owners. And again, we have some projects coming up, like public art projects, like we wanted to do an electric box painting campaign. We want to wanted to do a series of crosswalk murals that we've been pitching since 2017. And in the beginning, the city of Boston did not want us to do that. They wanted, they told us that it would be a distraction to do these kinds of public art projects. And then other cities were doing them. And then they started doing them in other neighborhoods. So we went back to them and said, hey, we noticed that you did crosswalk murals in Rosendale and Jamaica Plain. Mm-hmm. Why won't you let us do it in Mattapan then? And so it's still an ongoing battle to build support. Even with our electric box project, we do that differently. Typically, it's um, an artist is commissioned and they will paint an e-box to add some you know, color and beautification in the neighborhood. Um, we were assigned three and we've been working with community groups to actually develop the designs for those e-boxes and painting them. And, you know, like, quite frankly, our city representative was frustrated because he kind of thought it would be taken care of in a weekend. And I'm like, I'm not going to just paint anything or have my team paint anything. What we want is to be something that's really reflective of the local culture. And the only way to do that is to work in partnership with community members to do it. So no, the, the process doesn't look standard or traditional, but it's not supposed to be because yeah. it doesn't, it's not empowering that way. Yeah, no. And, and recognizing that it's going to look different for our community because we don't, we, we aren't the same as the other parts or other neighborhoods in this city. What an honor it has been to sit down with Alensa and hear how Powerful Pathways is reimagining what it means and what it looks like to design in partnership and with communities rather than for them. Please join us for our next episode where we'll hear more from Alensa about joy and some of the challenges she's faced in taking new approaches to solution building.
Thank you for listening to In the Arena with Now. To learn more about the Vital Village Networks of Opportunity for Child Wellbeing, please visit the online forum at networksofopportunity.org. Along with webinars, blogs, and links to this podcast, the NOW Forum hosts a ton of additional resources through our searchable database. This episode was produced by Rhonda Alexander, Corinne Bauman, and Diana Rivera. Edited by Resonate with music by Akira Sora. In the Arena with Now is sponsored by Vital Village Networks at Boston Medical Center and made possible by funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation.